Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey there, car fans. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! And the madman mind behind Craving Cars on YouTube, Mr. Corey Pratt. Hey, that's me. That is you. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Stormy. Overland Park, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really the light show. I'm Windy. really hoping we can make it through without having the sound <laughs> of the storm come through the window in the studio. Truth. That would be nice. Yeah, you can okay. find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to tell your gearhead friends. If there's something you would like to hear more of, or if you have an interesting story, by all means, tell us. Send your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. Gentlemen's, yeah. What'd you do with car stuff? That you can't even get your bike out. I can't even move it. All I've done is uh, I can just, look at it in the distance in the corner. I've been switching between, between car porn and motorcycle porn on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, well, I cleaned everything out because I paid off my house. Uh, thank you, Uh-oh. Mom up in heaven. You did the, You did me. You did us a solid. And uh, with, that means uh, you have Mom's free estate. money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 In theory. You, you saw my FBI uh, messenger whining about my freaking uh, um, heater going out. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be buying a new one of those. Yep. So no extra money. But not yet. doesn't stop me from looking at pretty things. There's a, uh, oh, my did God. Did you call that fine gentleman? I yes, I did. And he came over today, and we're going to look at some pricing. The, uh, the, the one that I was looking at pornography-wise was a, a 2000, it was a 2006, uh, Vulcan, another one. I've got a 2006 uh, Vulcan 750. Mm-hmm. This one's a 1700. That's a much larger motorcycle. <laughs> it's big. Uh, just it's a little. Pity. It's got and, big bags and, and a the, big seat and a big windshield. The price is uh, price is right, and it's like 18,000 miles on it. And I'm like, damn. Really? Is it close to what your other one cost? Uh, it's twice. Okay, well, that's... But it's two and a half times the bike. But, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's and plus it comes with the windshield and the saddlebags and everything already uh, well, in yeah, place. Well, yeah, but now so. you've got oh, your nice. other one all fixed up. You could probably sell it for quite a bit more than you paid for no. it. No. I just want another bike, a bigger one. I want the smaller one for in-town riding. And then I want the right big there, one baby. so I can hit the highway and, uh, and right. not feel like I'm going to be sucked under every truck that passes me. You said sucked. I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. What about you? You know, when he started the conversation, he said something about pornography, and then he ends it with sucked. sucked. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I, I caught that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, I, I met up with with uh, with a group, um, like a Facebook kind of car group thing uh, last Saturday. It was so nice out. And then we're standing there going, wow, it's so cool. How nice is this at, you know, 8 o'clock at mm-hmm. night or whatever? And then next thing you know... In an instant, the wind changed mm-hmm. and it became drop dead freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they say in the Midwest you don't like the weather, wait a minute, they're not lying. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right it now, at time of recording, it's still 71 quick. degrees out there. Yeah, it, but it we're also expecting tornadoes. So. Yeah. yeah, well, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and I changed the oil in the, in the Porsche for this. Let's see think. This is the one. Third time? Fourth time? Third time? Okay. Good. So, since I've had it. So, um, now I, I, I feel okay to rev that bad boy all the way the hell out now again. Sweet. <laughs> oh, how's the uh, butt end on your Jeep? Still rolling? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, took that out as well. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Oh, my God, I took it out for a little bit of a joy ride the miles? weekend. I've, I'm well past the 12 miles, and it's still doing great. Good. Nice. Very good. Yeah, it's kind of like the truck. It's not. It's, it's still not leaking uh, coolant, which oh, is just shocking. Fantabulous. It's, and yeah. it's crazy, too, going on the road and going on some corners. That, that little 2000 Wrangler, man, that thing handles pretty much just like the Porsche. <laughs> No, no, not at all. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's quite loose, and I you forget driving a car as tight as that one is. It's amazing. Like, wow, yeah. I don't remember having to move the steering wheel this much. But you know what? Who cares? It's my yeah. Jeep. It's cool. Tight, loose. It's still All the Jeeps I've had, you're driving them, and you're thinking, I bet Fred Flintstone's car handled better than this. <laughs> well, easier on your feet. Too. Yeah, let's say. Yeah, at, least, you know, at least I don't have to pedal it. Well, did uh, you get any of the drop tops out? Oh yeah. Uh, I've been driving around the 65 Corvette because the weather's been letting me do yeah, that yep. and just tucked it away yesterday, uh, worked on my Mecham coverage, it's car related, and uh, went to try and drive Vern's badass 67 GT500 yesterday, mm, Yeah. Ooh, ooh. but it wasn't there, it was broken, <gasps> Vern. and it was broken by one of our former guests. <clears throat> David Henderson. Oh, sorry. David Henderson. Uh, anyway, it's going to be back. I'm going to get a chance to drive that. And he's also got a 65 or 66 uh, Mustang GT I'm going to drive. Uh, I saw that. And I saw that. he still has the Pantera up on the rack, and I'm going to drive that. <laughs> and uh, Perhaps just, uh, whenever I, you do that, I should go with you. We can shoot some video of you. Sure. Okay. Uh, you can shoot video of the car. I would rather not be in it. Thanks. Oh, come on. <laughs> Just your head peeking up. His with that great mani- big your, fat head took up the, the whole maniacal lens. smile. <laughs> That's not true. I got a wide angle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very little. Now, for Meekum, what was your favorite car? Uh, we didn't talk oh, about that last um, week, and it was still no, pretty fresh. We, we really didn't. You know, there were two. There was a '65 and a '66 Nassau blue Corvette. One of each. Uh, our buddy Jack Wallace had them down there. Oh. Um, and the 65 was a knockoff wheels, side pipe car, white oh. interior, had a hard top, and it had factory air. So, whoa. Pretty rare. And it was a nice car. It was very pretty. Uh, favorite car there? Oh, uh, you know, Dad and I both have uh, Harley F 150 or uh, Ford F 150 Harley Edition trucks, 2003s, the black and silver. Right. There was one of those down there with 990 miles on it. Good God. Oh, yeah. It was just brand spanking new, <laughs> fresh out of the wrapper. It looked so stinking good. Really, really wanted to uh, grab that. And dad did too. And those trucks, when they were brand new, sold for twenty nine grand. He bailed out at forty one. Oh, good <laughs> lord! Uh, dang. Okay, well, that's enough of that. So, God, we each still have one. That's okay. It's not yeah, like you got yeah. yours. Yeah, we're not trying to corner the market on these things. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I've been able to have some fun with car stuff. The other thing I've done is I put the sixty five away yet last night and uh, started cleaning it up. You know as I do through winter with all my old cars. And I've been ordering a bunch of parts for everything. You know, stuff for the Impala, stuff for the 60 Corvette, stuff for the 65 Corvette. Just got 
packages show up here every day. And I I kind of got to the point where I'd forgotten everything I'd ordered. And I had to open a few packages yesterday. Going, oh, that's, yeah, I got a tack drive cable for that. Oh, oh, uh, nice. oh and there's there's that new ammeter for the 65. Yeah, stuff like that. So. <laughs> Uh, somebody needs to keep me away from the uh, from the Corvette catalogs. <laughs> Step back from the catalog. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, put the catalog down, mister. <laughs> hey, this week in the news, we've got uh, some really depressing uh, news about <laughs> what Toyota wants to charge you for now. Blood-sucking ticks. Uh, there's going to be a work stoppage at the Corvette factory because... It was in the path of that tornado that sat down yeah. and crossed through Missouri, Tennessee, and most of... Con- you know that thing was on the ground for 250 miles? Yeah, it was on, Holy on the ground for a long yeah. time, wow. a yeah. long way. Yeah, that that, toy- that uh, tornado but, sat down, but, did some shopping. Was it making good time, though? Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, y- You'll have to go interview some of the dead. Uh, also, we've got an article from Jack Baruth from Haggerty discussing how the Hellcat became the only car that matters. This is a really lengthy article compared to some of the stuff we usually do. It's brilliantly written, and I think Jack said a lot of the things that I've been wanting to say better than I've been able to say them. Nice. So uh, a lot of good stuff covering the news this week. Let's get to it. Toyota, uh, this is from thedrive.com. Toyota made its key fob remote start into a subscription service. Toyota. Uh, you know, you've, we're, we're already having hmm. to subscribe to everything and anything from your TV this to your oh, streaming yeah. that. I use uh, That's the Adobe Audition and the whole Adobe suite, yeah. and I have to do it now. I had six on my old computer, but they, they don't sell it anymore. No, no. Now it's all no. CC. Oh, here's yeah. the new thing. Google Fiber is getting rid of their TV. Oh, crap. Really? really? Yeah, you don't get to have TV through Google Fiber anymore. You have internet. <laughs> oh, this wacky world that we uh-huh. live in, huh? I, I got that one earlier this week, and I'm just looking at it going, you sons of... Well, you know, Toyota isn't the only one who's done it. A number of automakers are charging for apps that allow drivers to monitor, lock, start their cars, their smartphones. Toyota's the first company... To charge, okay, so there is a first. We're the premier company for charging for full use of your physical key fob, either $8 a month or $80 a year at the Remote Connect plan's current price. So when you're buying a, uh, a new Toyota, you have the option to trial Toyota's connected services, features like emergency assistant, hotspot connectivity, and app based services like uh, remote vehicle unlocking and starting. You know, a lot of that stuff, when I bought that truck, in 2008, one of the reasons I bought it brand new was because it had the um, uh, OnStar, because mm-hmm. I was going yep. to heading out to California to move my mom-in-law back to Kansas again, and um, did that, and you know had that available for that first year, but that was all subscription. Yep. And then so after that, I kind of get some of this. However, uh, the length of Toyota's trial depends upon the vehicle in question, as well as the audio package included in the vehicle. Example, vehicles equipped with Audio Plus get a trial of up to three years, whereas premium audio may have a trial for up to 10 years. Screw that. I like putting in my own stereo, my own cheap little yeah. you know, disc-playing son of a gun. It just looks like a greedy cash grab. Well, yeah, it, it, certainly it is. They're looking at the future and, you know, how we're going to keep make, making money, how we're going to keep making money. Especially. How can we squeeze the last ounce of blood out of every one of our customers? <laughs> well, well, how much future are we actually looking at here? Because uh, uh, an interesting example I have of you, I've got a 2019 Volkswagen Golf. Now, it's only two years old, right? Well, it's already got a tech 
uh, technology, whatever, that is already going to be obsolete in two months. I know. Because it has a thing. You know, you're talking about your OnStar. Yeah. They have one, too. I, don't, I forgot what it's called, HomeLink or whatever. It's the same thing as OnStar. you got a button. You can talk to a live person. Or with your app, you can control the car. You can see where it's at, remote start it, unlock the doors, all that kind of stuff. That I get why you'd have a subscription for something like that. But the thing is, we got an email not that long ago saying that's all being canceled because it's running yeah, on at and 3G network, and at and getting rid of all the 3G towers. And Windows 98 is now not able to run. So. No, isn't that yeah. crazy? <laughs> I know. I, I, I had to get Windows by, by Windows 95, so I mean... <laughs> He's, so I, I you're going to have to type DOS commands in to start your freaking car. What's going to happen great. with this Toyota thing? I mean, what's it running off of in, in the next See, five years? Colon, backslash, backslash, please start. And <laughs> this is this is why I drive cars from the 60s. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah you don't have to worry about I this. I suddenly crap, feel but. very smart. <laughs> I mean, if Toyota thinks this is good for 10 years, well, I mean, how do you know it's not going to be obsolete in five years? Like, I mean, yeah. I got a car that's two years old and started obsolete. From the lovely subscribed place of road and track. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Chevy stops Corvette production over plant fire caused by a tornado. Before you dive into this, yeah. my apologies to the people at Road and Track. If they offered me a job, I'd probably just and run screaming. Snap it up. I, I, absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, although you're making me pay for my news, I really want to work for you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> well, Chevrolet announced uh, it has paused production of the Corvette for the week of December 13th to repair damages caused by a fire that Jesus. broke out at its Bowling Green, Kentucky assembly plant on Saturday. They stopped production again? Yeah. You know how many times they've stopped now because of park shortages and chip shortages and COVID and all the other crap? I, I will say, uh, you can't blame Chevrolet for this one. I, it's not their fault. It's, they couldn't be blamed for the other stuff either. It was really beyond their control. But God, no wonder nobody can get it, their hands on any of these things. <laughs> well, the fire was caused by one of several tornadoes that swept through six Oof. states in the South uh, and Midwest over the weekend, the storms have been responsible for killing over 90 people and leveling entire towns. Yeah, Again, that one we were talking about uh, in the in the last, in the beginning of the show. Yeah, 250 miles. They said that thing was on the ground for 250 miles. That's just, I can't even fathom that. I really can't. I can't even. That's like almost angry. They weather, went across the entire you're just state. Pissed off at really? You're still really? Yeah. Uh, it's on the verge of 250 miles is farther than it is down to Branson. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that place after a tornado too. So it's a, yeah, my my heart goes out to everybody that was even remotely touched. by. You imagine taking something about a quarter mile wide from here to, to, yeah, to Branson down I, down 13 and seven highway or or here here to Springfield and just wiping out everything. Oh, it's awful. Just the amount of force behind it to keep it down and on the ground like that for so long. It just, Ah. Uh, the fire um, has caused damage to the facility, including the roof and an employee entrance, GM said in a statement to Automotive News. A flyover the facility performed by Channel 5 News Nashville on Saturday shows what looks to be considerable damage to the National, oh no, oh, the God. National Corvette Museum Motorsports Park. The road course adjacent to the assembly plant, in one instance, what looks to be a sh- shortage. A storage facility. A storage facility, sorry. Uh, for newly built C8s and its roof and entirely <laughs> ripped off. If you see the pictures. Oh, this is painful to go if over. If you see the pictures, there's corrugated steel laying on top of new Corvettes. Uh, does that mean I can get one at a discount? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it would be a regular yeah. price now, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. No. They'll <laughs> sell it to you for a hundred grand, which is cheap for <laughs> those things sticker. right now. <laughs> 
the the plant will be idle uh, the entire week to bring the facility back up to standard. Uh, production is expected to restart on December 20th, um, though GM has yet to confirm whether that's the case. What is it about Corvettes? Because if it isn't, you know, they're another, trying to it? swallow it. It's uh, the sky trying to suck them yeah, up. The, the next thing is going to, yeah, the next thing is going to happen. Aliens going to come by and try to steal them. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably not wrong. Mm. They found one up in space. I mean, yeah. uh, what is it? Uh, it's uh, with he- the Tesla. Heavy metal was real. I didn't know it. I thought it was just a effing <laughs> cartoon. And... It's a documentary. <laughs> Sammy Hagar. Hey, who <laughs> speaking of which, either of you guys, were you ever uh, so smitten with cars or anything that you watched entire movies or TV shows or anything just for the car that was in it? Uh, more than likely, yeah. I I sat through, what, five seasons of The Dukes of Hazard just to watch the Charger? <laughs> yeah. do, do you really think I cared what the plot or didn't even know what was really going on? No, no I, they had I, an awesome car. Daisy Duke, the car. Th- that didn't hurt. Done. Yeah. She also had a nice Jeep. Right there. Yeah. Da- Daisy Duke and the, and the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some... Other than there was some TV <laughs> show, Jake and the Fat Man or something... Uh, he yep. drove a black '63 split when I watched that for the for the Corvette. You know, if the Beverly Hillbillies had had a hot rod that the family owned in that, that show would have lasted another 15 years. Mm-hmm. Well, they only had one or two episodes. You know, Jethro would build something. Ellie may my ass. Ellie will. Night Rider. I only watched it because of because <laughs> Ellie of the may and Ellie might. Yeah. <laughs> Night Rider with the Trans Am with a new design. The way it was, it was like, oh my god, look at this thing. And for yeah. me as a kid at the time, and the little oh, yeah. sh- sh- across the front, it was like, yeah, I'll, and I'll then take there's it. BJ and the Bear. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I even watched like... Eighteen because I thought the van. <laughs> you was watched cool. that for a different reason. Yeah, there's the monkey in a truck. It's the best thing this, ever. Is, this is false advertising. Break, I, breaker one nine, yeah. monkey in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Miami Vice for the Ferraris and whatever the bad guys were driving. They oh, had, and a badass boat. They even had a show when the Viper came out. They had a show called Viper. Yeah. Yeah. So I started watching how many, of the Viper. How many crappy movies yeah. and stuff have you watched just for the cars that were in them? Okay, the Munsters. A handful. All right, I'll go yes. with that. Yes. Yes. Dragula. Every family car there was kicking ass. <laughs> I, I have seen. And watch cross an auction block a rep a replica of Dragula. Well, not too far from here lives uh, uh, the guy who played oh, what's his name the the little boy in it uh, Eddie Munster. Yeah, uh, he lives not too far from Casey, and he has his Doesn't own really? uh, uh, coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Dragula. Dragula. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Hey, have you <sighs> seen uh, just to throw another one out there? Jack Reacher, newer, not 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 that old of a movie. Tom Cruise, the first Jack Reacher. I, I watch it and I can't wait. Usually because he is at one point in a red Chevelle. Yeah, red seventy Chevelle SS with the white stripes mm-hmm. on it. And I look at that. I was like, I want one of them so bad. I watched that and for that, and it sounds so good in the movie. They made and, it sound so good. And, and the the fight scene outside the bar when he looks to the guy That's and says, good too. "Remember, yeah, you wanted, you wanted this. this." Yep, yep. <laughs> now, great movie and stuff, but that if it wasn't for the, I mean, the car. Or cars, I guess, that are in it makes up for. Okay, I, a lot I do. Of it. I do have one very dirty, nasty, Ooh. disgusting secret. Is this Ellie May? And no, it's Fast and Furious. I, I dig them. I won't kid you. I dig the Fast and Furious I knew series. It. I saw the VHS, and I just I feel dirty even saying that. I'm I'm going to therapy. I've got group <laughs> sessions where we're trying. Hi, my name is Mark. I like Fast and Furious, but I do the eighth. Hi, Mark. The eighth Fast. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. You're sick. The eighth Fast and Furious movie opens with Vin Diesel and his squeeze driving a six a red 61 Impala into Cuba. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that, oh, that's the one with the car with the motor was on fire as they're driving down, yeah, just, and it's a boat motor that they've converted because everything in Cuba has been recycled. The, the, the yada, rest yada. of the movie makes you want to take a ball peen <laughs> hammer and pound your head. <laughs> oh, but so delightfully, and I I just saw F nine, uh, I believe, is out on uh, and probably has been for a while out on DVD, and I'm like, <gasps> nah. Or, no. or I may have to red box it or whatever it's called at home and just well, watch it by myself. I, I have watched that opening clip of them driving that red Impala into Havana probably <laughs> 37 times. <laughs> Anytime I couldn't get Vlad out, I'm like, I'll watch this shit for a minute. I'll watch uh, F8. Yeah. I, I'll, the first five minutes. First nice. five <laughs> minutes when he's driving into Havana or for three minutes or whatever it is. And then they get there and Mr. Muscles and his wife beater gets out of the car and I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Mark, I won't blame you. <laughs> this past week, Haggerty's Jack Baruth wrote an article uh, called How the Hellcat Became the Only Car That Matters that better encapsulates my feelings on EVs and enthusiast cars. Uh, it, he did it better than I could have done it myself. He really said what I've been thinking uh, so eloquently and so beautifully. Now, for our news segment, this is a very long article. It's a pretty lengthy read, even online. However, so you can skip through this if you wanted to you, about seventeen minutes. Well, yeah. I'm kidding. Don't don't read it. It's yeah. really nice. You owe it to yourself to read the whole article. Absolutely, it's beautifully written. But the thing that got me, I started reading it, and it's 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 a little literary more than I'm usually looking for in a car article. But the part that got me is. Jack said the auto manufacturers are rushing to kneel before the EV, a device that is yet to prove itself more than a toy for rich people and city dwellers. There's no clear pathway to a national EV infrastructure, nor is it clear where the materials for all the batteries will be sourced. And in any event, the vast majority of the batteries and electric motors will all come from China. So the spectacular act of cowardice isn't, isn't just stupid. It's suicidal. Should the people who are on the right side of history have their way, tomorrow's automotive market will have the worst of all worlds. Cars will be cheaply built from ecologically catastrophic materials by slave labor in a manner calculated to primarily benefit a communist dictatorship, and they'll be massively expensive and about as long-lived as a bird scooter. <laughs> you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. God bless him. And he's uh, he's more than a little scathing in this article towards EVs. And then he gets to the Hellcats. Uh, he says, how ironic then that this republic, repugnant genuflection before an illusory god of perceived future social direction is going to call time on time on one of the greatest examples of his in history of giving the customer what he wants, namely the Chrysler FCA Stellantis Hellcat engine and vehicles which it inhabits. I think that's absolutely spot on. The Hellcat is such a part of the automotive landscape that it's hard to believe it originally appeared as a last-ditch attempt to rev up interest in the aging Dodge Challenger a full seven model years into the car's run and 12 years into the lifespan of the platform on which it was built. Chrysler engineers compensated for a lack of time and budget in the development phase by simply specifying first-rate components from known suppliers wherever possible. Uh, he just, he, it, I think he did a beautiful job with the article. 
Uh, he continues, it's hard to beat a Hellcat Challenger for Rob cur- raw curb appeal and driving hilarity, particularly when equipped with a six-speed manual. But the real genius was making the Charger Hellcat. The four-door, <laughs> 707-horsepower sedan. <laughs> Let that sink in. You know, I, I always I bitch about the... The Mercedes, the S600, the one that I have nicknamed the Schadenfreude Express, which is a four-door, almost 400 horsepower V12, amazingly smooth, amazingly fast. It rides beautifully, and it is 307 horsepower plus shy of the Hellcat. Jesus. That's another car! That's another fast car. That's a Porsche Cayman right there. Yeah, that's that's another fast car. The four-door 707 horsepower sedan is the star of a thousand YouTube videos, drifting around everything from gas stations to an actual Detroit police cruiser. Oh, God. (laughs) That's the only one where the uh, kids' uh, safety seats are made by Recaro. You got a six-point kid safety seat. <laughs> the little head brace. Kit, yeah, the kid's wearing a Hans device. <laughs> the Mad Men in product planning actually put the Hellcat engine in a Grand Cherokee, in a Durango, in a half-ton 4x4 Ram truck. A former SRT engineer recently told uh, Jack Baruth that we had no budget, really, and we had no people to do anything, so we didn't waste time on corporate stuff or fighting about what could be done. We just did it as fast as possible. The Hellcat program is going to end with a jailbreak customization option. It's the ultimate love letter to Dodge buyers from Dodge itself. To an, and It's an open acknowledgement that the Hellcat has been the most significant car on the American street for a long time. Yeah, Camaro Z01 will whip it on a track, and a Shelby GT500 will whip it everywhere else. But the Hellcats are specialty items targeted at connoisseurs and fanatics, and the Hellcat, on the other hand, is for everyone. It is for everyone. So I, I, I think he's right. I think yeah. it's one of the most significant cars in history. Um, you know, we're going to miss it when it's gone. The space in showrooms that is filled with disposable EV Me Too iguana trash with fake noise, engine noise, and a panopticon <laughs> of LED screens to bully the last bits of our humanity, humanity out of our skulls. At that point, the Hellcat will exist only in the garages of wealthy collectors and the junkyard surrounding Atlanta, and the occasional <laughs> high-dollar auction. It will be as dead and as irrelevant as the Superbird or the LS6 Chevelle, because once a car is worth Superbird money, it's essentially no longer participating in real life. Nice. And Very there's lots, point. lots more to the to the uh, article. I know that was kind of lengthy. You really owe it to yourself to read the whole thing. It's so beautifully written. He did a fantastic job on this. And I found myself during the article thinking, I want to be able to write as well as Jack Baruth. You get there. You get there. It will happen. I, I, you know, I'm a lot better writer than I was 280 articles ago (laughs) when I started writing for GM Authority. Uh, You can go back and read my old stuff and read my stuff now, and it's a world of difference. (laughs) But I'm not writing like this yet. And he did a beautiful job with it, and I think it's a great article. We will have the link for it on readthedriven.com. Awesome. You know what's crazy um, is he hit the the nail right on the head. Yeah. Because uh, even even a mild car person— knows what a Hellcat is, yeah. but they don't know what a GT500, what is that? 
Well, a, sh- a Shelby. Was, most of them don't. Most of them know the name Shelby, but they think those are old race cars. They don't know that they're still made. Uh, they know Camaro, but do they know? They don't know what a ZL1. Yeah, is. what's a ZL1? They don't. Like, what's know, that? They don't know that a GT500 has 760 horsepower, mm-hmm. and, and it, you know, they will have heard the names, but everyone knows if you say Hellcat, it's a Dodge, They've and heard it's it. damn fast. Yeah, they heard yeah. It. yep. It goes, without yes, it even being a Dodge person, you're going to know what that is. So that makes um, plenty of sense. The one, and the last comment Baruth makes is, goodbye, Hellcats. You might have been built in Ontario with a Mexican engine, but you were the best of America. I think he's absolutely right on that. Yeah. So, uh, if, Mr. Baruth, if you're listening, well done. Yes. Bravo, sir. Uh, hey, speaking of Haggerty employees, our special guest this week is auto journalist extraordinaire Jason Camisa. Jason, I've chased him for three years to get him on the show. That's how long it's taken for our schedules to jive. Can you believe that? (laughs) Jason will be here to discuss Americans' lack of driving skills, Nissan's driving around in the dark, and the lunacy of Cadillac black wings. All this and much more is coming up here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters. I would normally say in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas, but since we got tornado warnings, it's eh, scary. It's sca- <laughs> ooh, thunder and lightning. Oh, so lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Our special guest this week is Jason Camisa. I have chased Jason for an interview longer than I've chased anybody else since we started doing this show. The show's three and a half years old. Bing. I've been chasing him for three years this week. <laughs> Mama told me not to put out. <laughs> Congratulations, Mr. You should have listened harder. <laughs> it's not stalking. It's consistent appreciation. Ooh, and I, and I appreciate that consistent there appreciation. There you go. Uh, Jason may be the most known and respected American automotive journalist, but he's unquestionably the most brutal in his honesty. His reviews aren't opinion pieces, however, they're framed around deep technical knowledge, which he then regurgitates to his audience in plain English, with an equal dose of comedy. His award-winning two-decade career has earned him senior and technical editor positions at several uh, major U.S. car magazines, hundreds of millions of views on YouTube, and a large and fervent social media following. He currently creates high-quality automotive content on YouTube for Haggerty. I will absolutely agree with that. Yep. That is, in fact, it was me slobbering all over Jason. Finally got him on the show. <laughs> that is when he's not Finally working. got a shower. <laughs> slobber. Yeah, well, was, hey, I sent you some soap. Uh, that's what he does when he's not working on his own personal fleet of classic broken cars. God, that sounds familiar. Jason, welcome to Driven Radio. Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> you and I have the same problem with the fleet of classic broken cars. Uh, so I, your I, cars hate you too, huh? Um, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Vlad the Impala gives me the F toe every time I walk into the warehouse. It so. really does. It's like no clutch for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, I don't feel like it. Or you drive it around town for two thing. hours and then you try to get out and you can't because it's worn out your left butt cheek. <laughs> Oh, Truth. Yeah. Oh, you wanted a clutch? I'll give you a clutch. There you go, mister. Uh, you recently did something that I did earlier this year. You just finished a cross-country drive. Um, 
I'm certain you've got some observations and thoughts on the American driving experience. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, mister? We suck. <laughs> there, I don't know how else to say that. That's there the is, nicest way um, you can say it, really. Yeah. What do we? How many? How many f bombs am I allowed to throw in one sentence before we get kicked off? <laughs> Just um, let her rip. We'll uh, we'll take care shit. of it after. I mean, fix it in the mix. Yeah. I mean, I have. I grew up with an, a really bad combination of driving tact, driving sort of environments. My parents. I grew up in New York. My oh. parents are both like brooklyn italian nut jobs in a rush <laughs> at all times and so you know in new york everyone's quick 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 move 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 and then at 15 i moved to germany and so then i sort of i you combine the new york urgency with the german ability to always follow the rules except the speed limits because germans ignore those too and i have this thing where i want everyone the fuck out of my way but follow the rules <laughs> and that seems to be incompatible with the American driving style. Like, just get the fuck over. That is that there is one driving lane and everything else is a passing lane. And mm -hmm. I'm the only person in the world who seems or in this country who seems to know this yeah. or believe it. Uh, no, there, there are others, but we are few and far between. Yes. No, I know. But I had to I was with my 18 year old nephew and I had to behave. So I, I have to sort of straddle the line between setting a good example, i.e. not throwing beer bottles out the window at the cops, um, <laughs> and, and then also trying to expedite the process of him learning like, okay, there's a happy medium between me trying to ex expect everyone to drive like Germans, and then that dumbass with no lights on in the left lane and a Nissan because his, you know, he's, he's getting a suntan from the gauges that are all lit up, even though he's got not a single light on the, in, in the exterior of his car. There's a happy medium somewhere in between there, and I'm kind of hoping he hits that. <laughs> what is it with Nissans? I, I mean, I, it's not just... I, I, no, I was going to ask. I was going to ask, what the hell? Are they all ultimate? It's all mostly Altamont. I mean, <laughs> it, it is it, it is a, a a problem in the entire industry. And I'll, I'll, joking aside, a problem in the entire industry is that modern cars have electroluminescent and backlit gauges that are lit up all the time. Mm -hmm. And many cars, mostly Japanese cars, will light up the center stack and the whole dashboard and dim them down to your normal level without having any way of telling you that you don't have a single fucking light on anywhere on the outside <laughs> of the car. So, I mean, 10 years ago, older Nissans and older, you know, Toyota products would have just the dash on it full brightness. So when you, once you started to get skin cancer from that, you could realize, oh, maybe I should turn my lights on and they'll dim down. The new ones just are like, oh, it's dark. So you should have all the lights on and they should be dim normally and you have no way of telling. And my unofficial studies have shown that somewhere between three and 5% of cars on the road at night have no lights on at all. And they're almost all Asian. This um, is this is Asian for cars. all of you. This is the advantage of driving a mid-year Corvette. You can see if the damn headlights are up. Oh. I mean, yeah, seriously. This is something that just didn't happen, by the way, in any car 20 years ago or no. 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Because if you couldn't see the lighter to light your joint, you, you knew your headlights <laughs> weren't on. Yeah, I will um, say down in uh, southern Missouri, I spent a month uh, down there uh, a little, just a little bit ago. And there were a number of vehicles that did drive around without headlights on, but most of them were Dodge Neons or Chevy Cobalts. And so, they so okay, those people are dead on the inside. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're like, "Murica, I could yeah, die here Merca, too." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Canada. Think Canada just passed a law last month uh, that now requires that exterior illumination be on if there are in, in, any interior illumination on. Well, that's Canada. Kind of Don't common they have sense. 
Is it the sun up in Canada for like six months or something? Isn't that, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. It's Anything? one minute a day for six months and then not at all for the six months. Fair enough. Hey, you want like Go watch hockey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, see, the Germans must have it right then because I have a Volkswagen that the lights are on all the time in the in the, in the the gauge cluster. But when it, if I don't have my headlights on and it starts to get dark, they actually dim them so you can't see them. It makes you put the and, lights and, on. Yeah. Somebody really thought about that. Mm. They will make um, you put your I, lights on. Yeah, yeah. well, Germany <laughs> suggests that you are putting it, them on. German engineers are big, uh, big believers in Schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if, it, but if there's no camera to catch it, there's no Schadenfreude. Uh, there's, no. Just, there's just Schaden. It, it, uh, so they don't. It, if, we, if we make you uncomfortable enough, you'll do the right thing. You're angry right. and you love your mother too much. Schadenfreude. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, in our brief email, uh, <laughs> you got him. In our brief email conversation, you mentioned that you thought uh, modern cars should be better. Uh, expound on that a little bit, if you would. What what isn't happening that you think should be, or what are manufacturers not doing that they should be? Fun. I think I think <laughs> that cars are from a from an engineering perspective. If you put your spectacles on and you put your little glasses there, from from an engineering and an objective. A measure they're better than ever, meaning they're more reliable, they're more efficient, they tend to be quicker, they do a lot of things better. But uh, in none of those sort of spreadsheets where they where they're gauging how good the car is, did anyone bother to put in a, 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 a field for fun? And I think modern cars are getting better and better, but less and less fun. Um, Corey, you, you said you have a VW, right? Mm-hmm. I have a Mark 7 also. Um, they are wonderful cars but if you get out of a mark 7 and into a mark 5 which was basically the, the, the previous chassis of the car it's night and day fun the older cars are 10 times more fun and i also have two mark 1 volkswagens and if you sort of plot out the fun factor it's gone from absolute hysteria non-stop laughter to very serious capable car and that's a good thing for the for most of us not in the case of a gti though right i mean i want yeah. a gti to be fun and the Mark oh, yeah. 8 is the least fun of them all. Um, <laughs> it's the most serious, but it's the least fun. And I think that mirrors basically every other car on the road. 3 Series, BMW, all of the other icons. Um, with few exceptions, cars are just fucking boring. Yeah. They're really fast, but really boring. How do you feel about the 987 Cayman S? The 987 Cayman S still had the six-cylinder, so I'm mm-hmm. fine with it. Uh, it still had hydraulic steering, so I'm fine with it. Um, that's a really great car. Ruined, if I had to say why it was ruined and why it's not perfect, by long gearing. Um, that's long since been a Porsche problem that, uh, you know, second gear will get you to 85 miles an hour. And so you just don't get to hear the magnif- magnificent noise of that of that engine or interact with that unbelievable shifter or all the rest of the stuff as much as you should. Um, but their 986s, 987s are just a joy to drive at normal speeds, where once you transition to a 981, for example, electric power steering and more isolation, they're just boring until you're beating the shit out of it, and then you go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is capability has gone up and up and up and up and up, but our speed limits have gone down, and, and cops' uh, acceptance of our fuckery has also gone down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I used to do you know shit twenty years ago that you can't do now, or you will be mm. shot at. Mm. Um, and I just so why are the cars getting faster? The, the cars are bored. They're so capable that they're bored. So more, so more fun bored. to drive a slow car fast than a fast car slow. Absolutely, absolutely. And see, this is why I keep driving old crap. 
<laughs> Good. Keep doing it. Somebody's got to destroy the environment. Uh, <laughs> I won't let the dinosaurs die in vain, as God yeah. is my witness. Yeah. My, my cross-country trip this summer in uh, May, I bought a 65 Corvette ragtop in Sacramento and drove it from, uh, went down to Monterey and goofed off for a couple of days and then drove it from Monterey to Kansas City across uh, Nevada and Utah. And, uh, yeah, I did that my... explains that hole in the ozone layer. Uh-huh. That, well, that's yeah. probably why we're having tornadoes here now. It's all my fault. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm bringing in the whole environmental thing because I know what your next question is or one of the other questions is going to be, so I'm just... Yeah, know, well, it up. I'm just teeing it up. <laughs> Don't okay. worry about it. You're not going to offend any EV lovers here. So, mm-hmm. uh, wait. Oh, you just wait. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. The, the three cars Ooh, I drive the most, Jason, are a '60 Corvette, a '65 Corvette, and a '61 Impala with a 409. No, you're not. No, no EV fans here. Uh, in the news segment tonight, we discuss an article Jack Baruth wrote for Haggerty last week, and I thought it was brilliant. Uh, Jack put into words what I've long thought about EVs, and I'm wondering what are your thoughts on EVs and the future of enthusiast cars? Okay. So you sent me that quote, and I had to laugh um, because obviously Jack and I both work for Haggerty. Yeah. Um, I have eight cars, seven of which are manual transmission horribly gross polluting oh i have so much more respect for you now (laughs) oh yeah they're horrible i mean cat what i live in california of course i have a catalytic converter in my car they all pass mock uh the one thing you might not know is that my eighth car is an ev Um, which one that's the e-golf so my mark 7 golf Mm -hmm. is an electric golf um that's another reason it's horrible mine's a gti i think (laughs) So thank God. I mean, good for you. Uh, let <laughs> yeah. me say one thing. Once you live with an EV, there is no going back. Really? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I drove it today because I was in traffic and I got a, I have one of those little stickers that allows me to pass everyone going like, you know, giving them the finger yep. in, the, in the HOV lane. Um, I wanted my eighth car to be something that I don't have to warm up. Uh, I hit the little button. It turns on. It says ready. I put it in gear and I lay tire right the fuck out of my driveway. <laughs> Um, there's no warm up period. There's no oil changes. There's no maintenance. There's no anything else. Um, there's also no stopping at gas stations. And so, I mean, about half of my daily around town miles happen in the EV. Um, and I really genuinely won't ever go back. I've thought, I mean, I basically just found out that a friend of mine got offered three times what I paid for my e-golf uh, for hers. And I thought, and I have a third of the miles and I thought, oh my God, I can make like serious money on this car. But then you have, but no way. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I EVs again, it's one of these things you have to live with it. You have to and you have to day in and day out interact with one to understand why the benefits can ding 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 asterisk not necessarily do can outweigh internal combustion engines. Um I will never have an automatic. I don't like automatics. I don't like waiting for gear changes. I don't like the idea of a fucking torque converter. It's the stupidest thing in the world. Um, (laughs) I also am not going to have any sort of automated manual because frankly, they all suck. Um, And so, except for Porsche stuff, Porsche's PDK is really good. Um, But if I'm going to interact with an internal combustion engine, I want to interact with it. I don't want a torque request pedal that, that says he wants this much torque and have the computer figure out what gear and, you know, what throttle opening, whatever I want to do it. Um, EVs aren't automatics. There's no gear changes to be had. And this stupid e-golf that does zero to 60 in 8.4 seconds is 
so much faster in the real world than my Lotus Elise with a supercharger on it um, <laughs> that does zero to 60 and four two that I just can't, I can't stop driving it through town like a complete asshole. Uh, I've, I've said before. <laughs> He's an honest man. I, I've, um, I've said before Kinsley. that if I could get uh, a Model S Plaid for a reasonable price, it makes sense because 95% of your driving is in town. You're not going yeah. very far. And, you know, you never have to gas it up. That said, you know, since May, I've been driving that stupid, that 65 Corvette. And mm-hmm. that thing gets no miles per gallon and pollutes everything. Every time you get out of it, you smell like exhaust. You just can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. You just got a side pipe two feet from your head. And I, I wouldn't trade the summer I had with that thing for anything. Good, good. Here's look, Here's the reality of it. We are the exception. We're the car guys, right? I mean, okay, sure. I drive an EV every day, whatever. It's easier. I mean, I have a grocery store that is a quarter mile from my house. I can't in good conscience fire up one of my old cars and drive it a quarter of a mile and not think about the horrible shit I'm putting in the oil. Oh my God, there's (laughs) condensate. I got to worry about this. Now I got to go on a 40 mile drive to just warm the oil up. I just, I I couldn't bear that. The reality though is for, for the general transportation needs of the general public, let them go electric. Leave me the gas to burn at 9,000 RPM. Like you guys go, there is no reason for any of these housewives in Priuses. I'm sure I'm, that's sort of my geographic area. It's just every, everybody drives a Prius. You want them. Yeah. There's no reason for them to be burning gas at all. Um, they're driving two miles a day. They're sort of, it's sort of suburban and urban environment here where distances aren't far. We don't have really cold winters. EVs are the better solution for them which leaves more gas for me to burn. <laughs> I like his confidence. Um, yeah. Well, I, I want my EVs to look really screwball. Like uh, Messerschmitt uh, is putting back out that, that little one-seater. That's the three-wheeled one-seater. And it's just dumb as hell looking. And it, it's like it's a Disney knockoff vehicle, and I freaking love it. You're going to have that to forgive Mark, though. He also likes the... Uh, the aircraft carrier length Mopars from the late sixties and yeah. early seventies. I would be able to put this on as my hood ornament. <laughs> and I would be damn dinghy. proud of it. You, you're darn right. <laughs> Throwing your trunk is a dinghy. Look, I mean, you know, you Mark are clearly like all the, the traditional car companies who thinks EVs have to look like fucking dumb. I mean, look yeah. at a Leaf. Look at, I mean, how? Look, oh look no, you got to go further. No. Leaf, no. Leaf isn't adventurous enough, though. It's like, okay, here's a lump. I'm gonna make this rock into a car and no give me something with some lines and some humps on it that's dumb as uh, dumb as heck but still <laughs> i really think shit's gonna be okay all right <laughs> are you gonna get away with that mark <laughs> i think so on this show well, you uh, you may as well give up on this one we don't have enough car horn bleeps to or make dumb it as shisa. there we go all better a theme of party until, until you upload those. to germany yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> i just don't understand why like mercedes you know mercedes styling and volkswagen styling, the german car company styling has always been very traditional yeah. very simple very almost Italian in its in its lack of BS, and now all of a sudden, with the, every time a German car company comes out with a with an electric car, they make it look like a caricature of itself. <laughs> the fuck is that about? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to keep dropping f bombs now. Go right ahead, to bleep no. them. do it. Fuck, fuck, They're uh, angry you too. Uh, you want an electric car? Yeah, okay. Here, look at this. What the hell is it? You don't have enough. It's electric. Fuck off. It's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be able to do 300 kilometers an hour on the uh, autobahn for 10 hours straight. So therefore, sweet. we make it look stupid. Jesus, they're buying it too. What are we going to do now? But certainly, there are some bright spots in the collector car world or the enthusiast car world. 
there are huge bikes. I mean, first of all, if you own a whole bunch of cars right now, we're doing really well because values are going through the roof. Why? Yes. Because modern cars suck. If modern cars <laughs> didn't suck that bad, our old shit wouldn't be worth a fortune. Right. That's my, that's my, <laughs> it's pretty my accurate. Yeah. You're not wrong. economic evaluation, Jason style. Right. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why all the old stuff is getting, getting really expensive and the classic car market is on fire. It's and it awesome. has been, it has yeah. been for the longest time. You know, yeah. uh, my other job is I'm a senior auction analyst for sports car market. So I've been going to all the auctions. I've been seeing all the weird stuff that's selling for unbelievable money. Uh, I've been seeing crappy stuff that's selling for unbelievable, unbelievable money. money yeah. uh, all of it is. And, you know, but between people thinking I want a hard asset for an investment that I can drive and enjoy uh, to I, I want to get my hands on one of these before it's too late and I, I want to have a chance to drive it, uh, whatever the reason is, all the collector stuff has been white hot for a year and a half. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to slow down until the end of next year. I mean, I, I often wonder how much of it has to do with the new car chip shortages and, and everything else. And I really, I'm not sure they are related. No. Yeah. The price of a 2017 Toyota Camry might be slightly elevated because of that. Uh, but certainly no one is buying, you know, a mint condition Dodge Omni GLH for transportation purposes. No. Um, and that car has done a 10X or I'm, you know, making this shit up as I go along. But I mean, they've really <laughs> gone all, all of the sort of all of every car that every shitbox that we love from the last 30 years is suddenly worth three times as much. Yeah. And I think that's just a testament to how boring modern cars are, frankly. Well, um, that and the idea cool that, the last year and a half with COVID it's something you can do. That's fun that you don't have to be around anybody else. You don't have to have a mask on and you can go that's enjoy true. yourself and nobody can say anything about it. It's true. Uh, yeah. The only downside is, now that everybody's gone back to work and everybody's gone back on vacation, the price of gas has gone through the roof and uh, it costs more to fill them up. But unless you're a dummy like me and you drive them every day, that's not really that big a problem. Well, and part of the beauty, too, is as, as we work from home and a lot of us get to work remotely, quote unquote, uh, you don't burn up as much gas. So you've got more money to save for that big monster that you drag out. You know, two to three no. days a week rather than having to drive five and then go, God, God, I best not drive the monster. Yeah, my commute is 16 right. feet. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it, it hadn't been too bad. And, and you I, don't want to start an internal combustion engine to move your car 16, 16 feet. feet. We all know what that puts <laughs> in the oil. And what it does uh, to the carpet. That, yeah. that doesn't even get the Impala out of the garage. <laughs> yeah, no <I'm> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem I don't have. Mine are all under 10. Yeah, you, you've got uh, little short cars. Car, yeah. uh, that, that Impala is about as long as a Suburban. That's a big car. You're the only, that's the only car that I've heard the fuel pump on it going, Wah! Yeah, well. It's like, damn, how many RPM are you doing? before you start the car but, but think what it's feeding it's got the yeah. it's got two four barrels on top of that four <laughs> fuel pump has attack i mean like come on man remember <laughs> remember what chris naganchi said when you go get gas in that you have to shut the car, car off, off so the pump can catch up <laughs> not wrong <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that something i looked up and i said it was like it's going to be as long as the sprinter van the yeah. mercedes sprinter van I'm gonna look fuel cell <laughs> prison cell tomato, tomato. <laughs> it's a car with two doors Rivian and Lucid are two of the new EV companies that seem to offer better products than are currently avail available from Tesla or other manufacturers. Where do you see them in the market uh, as, as we're discussing EVs? And, and uh, are they too good to be true? I, you know, it's a really, that's a really bunch of interesting, really questions there. I don't think they're too good to be true, but I think, I mean, I think Tesla's proven that you can have a, at least somewhat sustainable 
business uh, disrupting the traditional car companies. And that's something no one has done since, I don't, I don't know, 70 years yeah. since Tucker. I mean, um, and I think the reason why is that the, the engineering behind the automobile is now complete. It's done. We know how to build a car. You know, we can, we've sort of settled on one type of steering and one type of fuel injection and one type of everything else. Um, and so as a commodity, it's very easy for all of these startups to build a car. Um, and then what they can do is then apply agile techniques to them. So, I mean, the, the way, you know, these guys design the, the interiors and stuff, they can, they can do more, far more quickly than the traditional car companies. And then certainly with the powertrain, I think we're, I think they're a sign of disruption, whether they survive or not. I don't know. I suspect they will. Um, I suspect, you know, a company like Rivian, uh, for example, that just, you know, completely shattered everyone's expectations of what a pickup truck can do um, has a real shot. Um, you know, especially when they sort of, I think they just backed out of their Ford deal. So they were supposed to supply Ford with electric yeah. pickup trucks and they were like, fuck you, I don't need you. I mean, they have enough, they do, have enough. Do they still have their, up. do they still have their deal with Amazon? I believe they still do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably I, enough. Yeah. That's the yeah, big deal. Right? You're right. They're only getting a couple hundred thousand vehicles out of them. <laughs> but I mean, they, you know, I, I drove one briefly. I haven't really spent too much time in it. If, you know, if the customer cars are anything like that, and I suspect they will be. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, wow, Tesla really? has proven that the the traditional measures of the quality of construction of a car, i.e. panel gaps and fit and finish, whatever, is just not relevant to the end user consumer. They don't know about it. Oh, yeah, of course, they're going to notice when a, you know, a piece of trim falls off their Tesla um, or their Rivian. But short of that, they're just blissfully unaware of that kind of stuff. And in the case of Tesla stuff, all the user interface stuff is so much better than anything else in those segments that people are willing to put up with that level of bullshit. And frankly, I think the same thing is going to happen with um, with Rivian. I think it's going to be a while before we have EVs from the traditional pickup truck makers. Um, and when we do, they had better have the space utilization and all the other really cool features that their Rivian stuff has, or they're in trouble, frankly. Do you think that uh, Tesla will complete their when they come out with their pickup, it'll look like the concept that they had a year ago. I mean, it's really tough to say. I, I don't believe a word that, you know, Elon says, because every time you say that you want to be wrong. I, I just saw a spy video of one today at the Tesla track behind, behind the Fremont plant. And what came out of my mouth is, Oh fuck, they're really doing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so absurd. It's so dumb. Um, but how much other stupid shit have they done? I mean, go drive a plaid and that you want to talk about dumb. Yeah. That is the stupidest car in the face of the planet in the history of the world. I kind of love it because, you know, it makes everyone sick in like 0.2 seconds. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but wow. I mean, they just keep pulling off the stuff that every time we say they're not going to do it, they do. So I, w I, I want them to build that truck and I want it to look like that. And I want somebody to buy a low, blow, low boy aluminum trailer and put a DeLorean on it behind it. <laughs> it, it'll happen <laughs> one way or another I, you've now planted a seed I, I, <laughs> I think that would be so perfect and i just want to see someone do it I, sure i mean once i don't think i really want to see those things on the road i think it is dumb beyond belief <laughs> but hey um you know i'm not the target market for uh, a you, cyber truck you know well, the first the thousand of those that hit stupid. the road people are yes. going to be throwing uh, rocks at the back window to see if it really works like it didn't in the demonstration. <laughs> yes. I haven't even thought about that. You got a bunch of little assholes running around the oh, parking yeah. lot. Going, oh, oh, it doesn't just, work. Just, 
there was when I was in college, I had one of these girls that was in in my dorm had a Saturn, and a bunch of drunk guys decided one night to find out if it was really dent proof. <laughs> uh, I think I think you're Fail. on to something. Those oh, are it's not. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. the side panels were, but the but the roof and hood oh, were not. God. No, they were steel. Yeah, they yes. destroyed our car. Uh, <laughs> they, they were for a little bit anyway. So I think we'll see. I think you're right. We're going to see that uh, with the Cybertruck too. <laughs> All right, let's get back to good stuff. Uh, the Subaru BRZ and its cousin, the Toyota 86, offer amazing performance for the price point. And I just, everything I've read, I've not had the privilege to drive one, but everything I've read says they're fantastic cars. What is it you love about them? They're simple. They're simple. And that there, we do not need layer after layer after layer of complexity oh. with, you know, automatic this and blah, 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 that. Give me a front engine, lightweight rear drive car um, that loves to be sideways and, uh, and responds when I hit the gas pedal, you know, no turbos, no waiting, none of that bullshit. Um, they got the recipe right there right now. You know, I hear people say, especially other journalists are like, oh, this is a great time to be a car guy. Bullshit. There's nothing. We have no sports coupes. We have no sports cars. The the amount of cars that are actually interesting is is infinitesimal right now. Like everything just kind of is mass market. And you know, oh twelve people say oh twelve thousand BRZs a year is a complete marketplace failure. Bullshit, right? Not every car has to sell two hundred thousand units a year. Um, and so we have a couple of exceptions to that. Miata and BRZ are the two sort of really small, lightweight lightweight in modern terms in the case of the BRZ because mm-hmm. it is 2,800 pounds, but um, you know, pure driving experience cars that are just fun. It doesn't have to do zero to 60 in the mid fives, both of those cars. I mean, you know, there's nothing old that any of us have that can probably keep up with them in the no. real world. No, uh, right. They're really, really, really quick. And yet, you know, they pass modern crash tests and, um, and, you know, have all the benefits of modern safety stuff that you can switch off the fact that um, they the fact that they were able to do that and keep it down around 2800 pounds is nothing short of remarkable right um, i mean every every time i have a german engineer i say but it's not possible for us to reach these expectations without adding 200 kilograms of mass say, all i say is miata fuck you miata fuck you <laughs> Miata's 2350 pounds you're all full of shit there's no reason the z4 and the super have to be 3500 pounds that's not a sports car that's a that's an obese problem of your inefficiencies internally when it's a thousand pounds heavier or 1200 pounds heavier than a Miata, which is more fun anyway, by the way. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think the BRZ and, and the GGR 86, which whatever the fuck they're all calling these cars, right? right <laughs> um, just a really wonderful throwback. And it's, you know, it's nice to have a $30,000 car, $28,000 car that, you know, younger people have a chance of being able to afford that are actually fun. That's uh, really cool. And, and one of the more fun ones, according to, you know, you know, listening to you talk about them before they're, they're one of the more fun ones than buying one that's two or three times the cost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would rather, honestly, I mean, you know, the, the boxer came in right now or four cylinders and they're just kind of off my Christmas card list. Yeah. They're just dead to me. Um, but uh, you know, there's <laughs> See, basically you nothing. the good one, Corey. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I mean, once they went four cylinder, they kind of ruined the car. The GT4, the current, you know, the current GT cars are unbelievable. Oh, sure. Cylinder the GTS. But you're talking, you know, 100, 100 grand. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in terms of fun, I would I would have Miata over anything that Porsche makes in terms of fun. All right. You know, Porsche, some of the GT cars are unbelievable in terms of the experience. But the speeds at which you need to drive those cars, 
Perfect, perfect case in point, actually. My neighbors had a, have a 911 GT3 Touring, had. Um, took it out occasionally, but they also have a Miata. And they every day I hear the Miata with a lot of exhaust on it. I hear the Miata goes by. <laughs> I never heard that GT3 ever. Uh, and after two years, they sold it with like 1,200 miles on it. And they're like, it's oh. just second gear is 90 miles an hour. We mm. can't use this car. Yeah. And they bought an M2 so their kid could sit in the back seat. And that now sits... And they fight over the Miata. They drive daily drive a Tesla, you know, when they need to go to the grocery store. Otherwise, it's the Miata. Miata always wins. Um, and so why, you know, I love the Porsche stuff, but come on, let's let's I mean, you know, get rid of our inferiority complex here and just drive Miatas and BRZs and stuff. That's actually fun. A, a couple of years ago, I was looking at a, uh, a 96 993 uh, mm-hmm. that had 26,000 miles on it. It was black over black coupe. And just the steering on that was mm-hmm. so beautiful and so mm-hmm. precise and you felt everything and there was nothing hampering that. And it just thought that was the, the best handling car I'd ever driven. Mm-hmm. And I still want one. I, I, you know, apparently not more than I wanted that blue Corvette, but uh, <laughs> I, I'd still want to own a 993. I'd say a 993 has probably outperformed any investment you could have made in the stock market. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, they're, they've gotten expensive. And they are, frankly, the least fun of all the air-cooled 911s. Really? They're the best. Yeah, engineering-wise, they're the best. They've sort of fixed a lot of the problems, but they're very serious. Um, <laughs> and they're, uh, uh, they're very buttoned down. And I tend to like cars that are loose and... Batshit. Well, I got, um, I got some of those should you ever find yourself in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the best things I've seen you do on YouTube for Haggerty was your, uh, your review of the Cadillac CT5V Blackwing versus the BMW M5 CS versus the Tesla Model Plaid. Um, mm. it, you need somebody to pat you on the back for that. That was a great piece of work. Very well Thank done. You. Thank you. Uh, Tell us what makes the CT5V and also the CT4V such a hoot. They have a sense of humor. They're stupid. <laughs> I mean, the idea, let's, let's think about this here. Let's take a formal family sedan and put a 668 horsepower supercharged V8 with rear wheel drive and stick in it. I mean, it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. It looks um, like something you dream up in study hall in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't pass any, I mean, look, the plaid is just dumb on so many, so many levels. It's just, you know, if you saw the video, you saw the, the drag race was staggering. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Cadillac it's is the fastest huge. and most powerful, uh, the, the CT5V Blackwing is the fastest and most powerful Cadillac ever made. The M5CS is the quickest and most powerful BMW ever made. And they were left fucking dead yeah. by that plaid. I mean, night <laughs> and gone. I mean, it was embarrassing. Like we, we were watching the footage and we were like, Wait a second. Did the M5 stall on the line? Like it was just the plaid was just gone. But what those other two cars were missing and what the Cadillac had was just a sense of theater and whimsy and fun. Um, it was it's geared too long. It's not perfect. Um, and actually, during the filming, I didn't have enough time to really spend time before I wrote the script and spend too much time with the cars. But the CT4 wound up actually being my favorite of the two. Um, same thing. It's the wrong, completely wrong engine that should never have a V6 in it. It should be a small block. But the, the rest of the car is scalpel precise, and it's actually interesting to drive at normal speeds. Really? Um, yeah. So, you know, the M5 is automatic only, and it's very serious with its all-wheel drive system, putting the power down. I think that CT the CT five lit up the rear tires at eighty miles an hour on the public roads like like it was nothing. <laughs> um, it was just stupid. Hey, it's just the dumb. closest Cadillac dealer. 
<laughs> Go drive one. It I is, want to. I mean, they're really, it's funny because it's very much a, a, a dual personality on track. It was really hooked up. It didn't feel like a Hellcat does where it just, wow, my fax line is ringing. Um, <laughs> uh, that is very interesting. I'm gonna, I don't know what that fuck happened was. JC Whitney um, has your uh, wheel covers. I, yeah, geez, I have no way of muting this because what is that? Um, it's a Google Voice number that I've had for years. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, I bet um, your pager's going off too. You might want to check. Oh, yeah, probably. Somebody's paging me 911 right now. Um, Big fat the, bag uh, of booger sugar. <laughs> the um so like a hellcat is just a complete disaster when you when you really try to move in it right can't put the power down they're fun i love them for it uh but the the blackwing stuff really is hooked up and they do well around a racetrack and great on a back road but don't lose any of that sense of humor i mean you know let's do a burnout yes i mean any family sedan that has line lock Come on, come on! I mean, this is That's this is the kind of shit that only American now I really get, right? want. What's the quickest way to change tires? <laughs> I won't tell you how many. I think we went through a total of twenty tires on uh, filming oh. on, on all all of the cars on that. Oh. Went through a lot of tires filming. Oh, that that's spectacular! That's awesome. Yeah, it sucked. I mean, poor me. <laughs> yeah, you're the reason. <laughs> you're the reason it's flooding in Southern California right now. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> No. I think we got six miles per gallon out of that. Uh, oh my god! Now, now you're talking about the drag race and how much the plaid just absolutely, you know, crushed, dominated. It. Uh, but yeah. what about the actual track time b- between the three? That was unbelievable. Actually, it was really interesting. So we sent. I, I had a suspicion that the that the plaid was going to do really well, just because you can basically plot out cars. You can estimate cars lap times based on power to weight. It's very simple, right? They can handle well or not, but really peak speeds in, in the middle of the straights is it's what's really going to cut down a lot of time. Uh, so we sent Randy Popes out first. First, he did the M5 and he was like, well, this thing's amazing. And then he beat that time in the Cadillac, which we didn't think was going to happen mm-hmm. um, because amazing. the M5 is just such a rocket. It's 627 horsepower only, but it, you know, rockets out of corners with that, with like the most amazing all-wheel drive system. Um, and so the caddy beat it and we were like, whoa, well, that's kind of unexpected. Yeah. And then we sent him out in the plat and this was a Turo rental. Um, oh. The guy, the, oh, <laughs> oh, no. what happens when car companies don't have PR departments. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. The, Owner of the car wound up being super cool about the whole thing. I'm like, do I ask for forgiveness or do I ask for permission? I'm usually one to ask for forgiveness, but I wound up telling the guy in advance. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. So I told Randy, I'm like, you know, Randy Popes is is a fast driver, SCCA Hall of Fame, blah, 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 blah. What he does that no one else can do is it does his fastest lap on his first lap, period. He's Dang. fastest. He does one sort of recon run at like six tenths or seven tenths, and he mm. f- flings it into one quarter. And in one corner has the whole car figured out. So he does one wow. hot lap, comes in, and that's always his fastest. The second lap is always oh. slower because the tires went off. He's always amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So he, I, I sent him out, and I'm like, okay, look, Toro car. We don't have budget to replace the tires on this thing. You got one shot. He's like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> so he, he goes out. He fucking flew by us down the front straight. It sounded like a, a jet. Like, <laughs> we're like, oh, oh shit. He, come, he comes back in and he was like, he comes in the car and he's, Randy is very nunnish when he's not, when he's on camera. 
not so much in the nun department when he's off camera. So he's like, holy shit, I don't trust these fucking brakes. Of course, he would never use those words. No, he was like six seconds. I could have gotten six seconds out of this fucking thing if if I had trust the brakes and the stability control didn't intervene and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, my my guesses are all going to be completely wrong. No, it beat the Cadillac, which meant that it's the record, the four door lap record at Willow Springs fastest sedan ever and after Mm. one stop he did say that he could smell the brakes after two (laughs) stops the brakes stunk but they continued to work and he and he made it Uh, we didn't destroy the brakes we didn't destroy the tires and the car just did one i'm guessing regenerative braking wasn't scrubbing much speed i mean the joke (laughs) is that if it it, i think the thing can do up to a thousand horsepower worth of regen Uh, i mean you know that's what it can what, what can come out of the battery is usually about what can go back in um, but when you're dealing with 5,000 pounds, so the, the crazy thing was uh, he hit yeah. 140 miles an hour on the front straight in the, in the M in the Cadillac, like 138 in the BMW, 140 in the Cadillac. And he, when he came back in, he's like, I think the Tesla's broken. It started to really like, it, it basically died halfway down the straight. Well, when I looked at the numbers at the start finish line, which is two thirds of the way down the straight, he was, he was at 60. the 163 mile an hour yeah. limiter. Yeah. So he's 23 miles an hour faster than any of those other cars. We, and it would have went faster if it had the, oh yeah. Yeah, the limiter. Yeah. We wow. did a story last week on the news. Yeah. We were talking about the Tesla having a top end at 162, and car and driver saying, it might be able to go faster, but you wouldn't want to be in it. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I really think if there's one landmark car that's going to cause the government to step in and say, no more of this bullshit, it's that. Really? Um, I mean, while we were filming, so, you know, the crew have been in the car with me doing horrible shit in the fastest cars in the world. Uh, and that was the first time Anthony, my director, who's he's driven everything himself. He's a great driver in the passenger seat was like dropped his phone, screamed. I mean, it was hilarious. And it was like, <laughs> fuck, this, fuck this. This is no way. This is dangerous. People are going to die in this thing. This shouldn't be. He sounded all of a sudden like an old man. He's 31. And, and the uh, and the joke, well, not joke, the you know, ironic thing was while we were filming, somebody flew through a house in Florida and killed a woman and her dog oh, in a plat. Oh, um, yeah. oh, my God. And just a uh. house at the end of a cul-de-sac and someone probably just didn't realize just how fast that thing gathers speed and went through someone's house and killed her. And Dang. we're at a point where somebody's got to stop this because it can't, you can't, I mean, the thing is struggling for traction up to a hundred miles an hour. We're done. We've hit the limit enough. No more, yeah. je- no jet packs on the back of this fucking roadster that's coming next. We don't <laughs> need any of that shit. Well, this isn't, is isn't it sub two seconds, zero to 60? About. It's, it's like one nine or something. Yeah. One, I mean, Tesla claims one nine nine motor trend got a 2.0 car and driver got a two one. I mean, it's just, it's so at that, the, the crazy thing is you don't notice in that car that there's stability control and traction control uh, active the entire time. It's, yeah. And in EVs that are programmed well, you're dealing with uh, with traction control at the speed of electricity, which is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. So they are; it is actually fighting traction the entire way to you know until the torque starts to dip off at like 100 miles an hour. Um, it, so it's so dependent. There, there's zero to sixty numbers, and the quarter mile numbers are so dependent on the surface that you're going to see you know anything from one one nine to two five probably. Um, it's just dumb. Yeah, I hate, yeah. I hate to sound old, but if you went right. back 20 years and you had a car that ran in the fours, that was screaming fast. Yeah. And yeah, now for sure. it's less than half that. 
the, watch, go back and watch that video and remember that that M5, there's one shot where you can see was a handheld camera from the inside of the M5 watching the Tesla just walk off the line. Yeah. That M5 CS does zero to 60 and two, I think I got two six out of it. It is when I, when we crunch the numbers, the fastest production car in the history of the world before the Bugatti Veyron came out. So faster than a McLaren, would leave a McLaren F1 for dead. I mean, it, and it got left for dead by yeah. an innocuous looking EV family sedan with brakes this big. It not, is not a good thing for safety for anybody. Um, let's talk more not good stuff. Uh, I, I, I've got a pretty good idea where you're going to go with this already. You've got some thoughts on the proliferation of turbos on everything and also on the, uh, the glory of naturally aspirated cars. Okay, sorry about your GTI, Corey. So, <laughs> no, no. Hey, the wife drives it 85% of the time. I drive the Perfect. Porsche, naturally aspirated. Perfect. Perfect. And a manual. There, there's nothing inherently wrong with turbos, except there's everything inherently wrong with turbos. They don't respond the way that we want cars to respond to. And if you have a car that's at the cornering limit or at, at the limits of adhesion, you need quick response to be able to control it. So I, being that I drive like a complete asshole, um, I, I don't, I won't accept a turbocharger car. The, the reality is for, again, for most people doing their normal commute, you can save a lot of gas by downsizing and putting a turbo and direct injection on a car. Um, and then they can have the torque that they want because most drivers don't want horsepower. They want torque, which is easy, low RPM power. So they can, you know, squirt into traffic, never having to go up over 3000 RPM. Turbos are great for that. Um, so I think turbos should be relegated to sort of Camrys and Mazda 6s and the sort of normal type of cars that people drive every day, but leave them out of the performance cars. And so I think it's really interesting that like growing up, I had a book called Turbo and it was a list of every turbocharged <laughs> production car. And it was all like the hottest of all the hot shit, like, you know, 288 GTO and F40 was later. And, you know, and, but what I think we realized over time is the cars that really are amazing are naturally aspirated leave the turbos for the grannies as i would say and just you know put naturally aspirated engines where they count okay go gt we're, we're, we're getting to the yeah. go gto <laughs> <laughs> that works too uh by yeah. the way i want a rematch when i have two fewer people in the car thanks oh we'll get it all right uh we're on to the good stuff what's in your collection right now uh okay by model year i'll start oldest to new Okay. Oldest to newest. 1975 Ferrari 308 GT4. Oh, you still have it. Um, cool. Oh, I still have it. Um, that is one of my newest, my newest, one of my newest additions. Uh, you think your cars use gas? That is four double throat Webers. Um, <laughs> and yes. somehow a tiny little 2.9 liter V8 can muster 11 miles per gallon, no matter what I do. It's a, <laughs> it's an impressive amount of waste. Um, uh, brilliant car. Uh, 1985 Mercedes 190 E 2.316, which was the Cosworth engine homologation. Car. Yes. Love it. Um, me too. 1987 Volkswagen Scirocco 16 valve, which I've had for almost 25 years. That's, awesome too. Uh, that's my number one. Um, 1988 uh, Volkswagen Cabriolet, so i.e. the bitch basket, mm. um, which is fully Scirocco 16 valve swap. So basically, oh, it cool. allows me to drive the Scirocco without risking the Scirocco. Mm -hmm. um, plus, <laughs> put the top down and fit two friends in the back. Um, 1989 BMW 325i sedan. That's a shitbox. That's sort of like a rally and track car. Um, 1990 BMW 325i wagon. That's 
Ooh. Again, that same car. So I get to drive my my E30 without risking my E30. See how that works. Nice. Um, like 2008 it. Lotus Elise SC, which was one of the factory supercharged cars. Uh, and then 2019 e-Golf, which is, you know, the best car I've ever owned. <laughs> Just to piss you off. <laughs> so you've claimed repeatedly you drive like an a-hole. What's the dumbest <laughs> thing you've ever done in a car? Oh, the list must be quite um, long. Let oh, him yeah. think. I let didn't him think. This is a six-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I mean, the dumbest one that I'm... Pro- statute of limitations will allow me to talk about so <laughs> nobody was there friend. they didn't see it didn't allegedly see it. allegedly yeah. allegedly uh this is kind of a funny one so i had an e39 five series wagon um and i have this one friend who i've had friends we've been friends for 20 years not a car guy doesn't know anything about cars or give a sh- anything about cars but i've gotten four major tickets with him in the car so i no longer allow him in in any of my cars yeah no crap i'm, I'm talking 94 and a 55 once i mean big tickets like dang and it's he's just fucking i don't know what it is about him 94 so, and a 55 don't you usually have to go up here before a magistrate when you get caught for that i did did. it wasn't as bad as the 110 and a 55 because then i had to get a public defender because that was actually a crime and not just a traffic violation that was my first ticket ever oh my god go go big or go home no no, 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 55 did you tell him i thought the sign said times two yeah well come on if you double double it it doesn't count two for tuesday (laughs) two for two uh, so my, my friend Ryan's in my five series and he's asking me how I do all these drift things. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'll show you. <laughs> so we're on this, we're on this road and I pull off onto a side road so that I can make a left-hand turn back onto this main road. And it's two lanes with a median and then two more lanes. So a lot of, a lot of room to drift and a lot of room to do terrible things. And it's raining and it's cold outside and I have winter tires on it. So I have no problem getting it sideways. So we pull out onto the side road. And we're waiting at the light and I'm like, okay, and you need to look both ways. I will look in all directions <laughs> and we will make sure there are no cops around um, because this is just going to be, you know, reckless yeah. driving if, if I get seen. So he's looking, he looks, I look, the light turns green. I brake torque it. I start a burnout um, to get the tires nice and greasy and then fling it to the intersection at the limiter in second. So it's just, bah, 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 bah. and he's laughing and we are laughing and we're having such a good time. And as the car is coming back in line into the rear view mirror comes the flashing red lights. Um, in the, in our infinite stupidity, we had looked in every direction except right behind me. Uh, and there was a cop car right behind me. That whole time, sitting at the light with me, never saw him. And, and, and the cops saying, "Look at these shitheads!" Wow. But, we got so he comes money. over. The, so I pull over. You know, he he comes over the window and he was like, "What the fuck was that?" Mind you, no, I'm doing. I did a standing burnout. Don't forget before. I mean, yeah, a standing right, burnout right. through the last couple of seconds well, of the red light. There's exhibition. Oh, yeah, I just handed him my license. I'm like, cut it in half. Just go ahead. Please cut it in half. I deserve it. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm blind. I'm a fucking moron. Obviously, I didn't see you behind me. I looked every direction except right behind me. Just fucking cut it in half. Take it, please. I'm a moron. Um, and he's like, what the fuck? And I was, I'm like, look, my idiot friend uh, asked me how I to do a drift. I showed him. <laughs> that was reckless. No, it wasn't. I didn't, didn't hit anything, officer. Um, yeah. It was I, stupid, I kinda, not reckless. It was stupid. It was beautiful. It was a gorgeous slide. Come on. <laughs> you got to give me some props here. Cops. Look, I'm, at the I'm same time, at least score it. <laughs> it was a 184 horsepower wagon with an automatic and an open diff. 
Come on, style points, style points. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's probably, if you ask me the stupidest, that's probably the stupidest. I have a a personal mantra from experience. You know you're in deep shit if the cop walks up to your car laughing. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, but then at least, you know, it's my goal always, make them laugh. Immediately make them laugh. Because, you know, they deal with so many assholes. It's It's a really tough job to be a cop. And so, you know, my, my thing is I just admit it, whatever I was doing right away mm-hmm. and try to make a joke out of it, but then be serious. Like, well, I know that I just came around that corner sideways, but I actually know what I'm doing, even if it was hideously illegal and stupid um, and just, you know, <laughs> kind of be nice to them. So I'm always looking for the ones that are laughing. Often when I'm con- involved, they're not laughing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I got upset. I got caught flying in town in that 60 Corvette and it's red with a white cove. You cannot miss this car. And the cop pulled me over. I pulled into the first parking lot I could get to. He walked up laughing and I just looked at him and said, how bad is it? <laughs> I, do my I, trick I hand them your license they cut it in half that that, that one gets that disarms them really quick just cut it in half i fucking deserve it just go for it yeah kansas state troopers are they they pull them from the part of the hospital for people who have no sense of humor and then they put them to work if you say that to a state trooper there's a good chance he whips out a knife and cuts it in half so not as sure long as he lets you go afterwards who cares <laughs> 50 bucks for a replacement license worth it you don't really exist son <laughs> we've yeah. been speaking with jason camisa auto journalist extraordinaire uh you can find all of jason's social media links on readthedriven.com jason Thanks for being on. Mm-hmm. The door's always open. You're welcome back anytime you got time. After three years, thank you so much. Uh, boy, we gotta funny. we have to have the most contradictory schedules of any two human beings anywhere. I think so. I think so, but it was worth the wait. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We really do love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And you can listen everywhere, find podcasts, or heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt yep. and Mark Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Thank you.